You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. PackersTalk.com. You're listening to No Huddle Radio on the Packers Talk Radio Network, serving you up quick-hitting news and analysis for Green Bay Packers fans. I'm joined by my friend Gil Martin, and my name is J.J. Leahy. Gil's a writer for thesportsdaily.com and Cheesehead TV, and in addition to this podcast, I host the Daily Cheese Green Bay Packers News Update. We're here to talk Packers because we're all here for one thing, and that's a love for Green Bay football. We're fresh on the heels of last week's 35-20 win over the Houston Texans, and we're looking ahead to a division game against the Minnesota Vikings. First of all, Gil, how are you doing today? I'm doing all right. How about you? Man, I'm feeling really good. I was a little bit nervous after our stinker against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Houston Texans was a great opportunity for our team, even though they were banged up, to win a convincing game and score some style points along the way. And it was, it felt good. It did. And it's it sort of, you, you could hear all across social media, Packer fans exhaling as that game went on. <laughs> Absolutely. <clears throat> you and I talked beforehand and said that this game style didn't matter. We were so banged up missing David Bakhtiari, Aaron Jones, Kevin King. We said, just Get out of Houston with a win, and it doesn't matter if it looks pretty. But it did look pretty. It did, and uh, it especially looked pretty if you were watching Devontae Adams. And and I love—you know what? I love watching Jamal Williams. He is just fun to watch and a, a, just a sort of a meat and potatoes kind of football player. And to see him do well in Aaron Jones's absence was very comforting. And the defense stepped up as well. You know, one thing that I liked about having Jamal Williams out there this week is that it kind of helped me win an argument with you. (laughs) Last week, last week on this show, you and I debated, should the Packers pay Aaron Jones? And we put a poll up on Twitter and uh, asked our listeners to go ahead and vote on that. We did have a lot of votes. Really appreciate that from everybody. Prior to that game... Gil, you were winning, and uh, Jamal Williams went out there, played convincingly, and everybody watched it and said, well, you know, maybe we could be okay without Aaron Jones. And (laughs) I came back for a late second win in the poll. So I win the, oh, man, we didn't didn't come up with a trophy, so I guess I win nothing. (laughs) But you get a chance to redeem yourself this week. We're going to have another debate at the end of the show here today. I'm looking forward to it a lot. Uh, Thank you for contending. You know, you got, got to got to take a loss uh, in week one here, but uh, you know, don't get too comfortable with this. Now, <laughs> I, I may regret, I may regret my uh, my big talk. Well, I will say it was nice to see the Packers find a way to win and make it all work, missing a lot of their key players. But I'm relieved that we should start getting some of these guys back this week. Uh, the injury report is massive. We're up to 19 names already. <laughs> this is <laughs> wow. kind of a train wreck. I mean, that's like, you know, almost your entire offense and defense put together. Here's the good news. Punter J.K. Scott is not on the injury report. Yeah. He's 
just about the only guy on special teams who's not on there. Uh, that, that's right, because Hunter Bradley is, and so is Mason Crosby. I got to wonder, what in the world were those two guys doing? Were they, like, having some sort of, you know, practice and then they started wrestling with each other? And uh, <laughs> Mason Crosby hurt his calf and his back. Hunter Bradley hurt his groin. Mason Crosby is getting up there in years for a football player. Maybe it has something to do with that. But, uh, look, you know, certainly for Hunter Bradley – uh, after he snaps the ball, he's got to run downfield and try to make a tackle on a lot of plays or block somebody if it's a field goal attempt uh, or a punt. So, yeah, I, you know, I could see why he might get hurt. But uh, kickers. Yeah. How does that happen? <laughs> you know? Speaking about kickers, we got some interesting information this week. Um, since Mason Crosby has not practiced all week, uh, people were asking Matt LaFleur, what's the plan here? And we found out. So. Keen-eyed observers have noticed that the Packers have been working out kickers every week. And we keep wondering, well, and what, what's that about? Is this just due diligence in case of a COVID thing? Yes and no. Every week they are bringing in a different kicker for a workout so they can have that kicker start the process of clearing COVID protocol early in the week. That way, if they have to make an emergency signing in time for a game on Sunday, they have a guy who will be able to clear it in time. Special teams coordinator Sean Menenga did also inform us that J.K. Scott is an option as an emergency backup kicker. Got to be prepared for every eventuality, but uh, I'm hoping Mason Crosby is uh, fit and ready to go. So speaking of being prepared for eventualities, do you think there's a chance that head coach Mike Zimmer is going to play cornerback for the Vikings this week? <laughs> <laughs> They're missing all their corners. Yeah, if he doesn't, you or I might have to. So, I mean, it's uh, it's pretty ugly looking at the, you know, the Packers injury report. You said 19 players. I think the Vikings have like six or seven. Yeah, but, seven. Yeah, but it, but I think three or four of them are defensive backs. So it, it, it really uh, is hitting them all in one place at one time. And, you know, they had inexperienced cornerbacks to begin with. I remember what Devontae Adams did in week one against the Vikings. If they're down to their second, third, or even uh, recently signed uh, off the practice squad, free free agent, you know, street free agent cornerbacks having to to be pressed into the lineup this week, you got to figure that Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams are drooling over the prospect of what they might be able to do against an inexperienced secondary like that. Well, they feasted in week one when they had all of their cornerbacks. Now, granted, I mean, they, these are not great cornerbacks. They're basically all, they're all rookies, but Holton Hill is not playing this week. Mike Hughes is not playing this week. Uh, Chris Boyd, who I've never heard of. Uh, <laughs> he's uh, also on the injury report, very limited in practice with a hamstring and a back injury. Can't imagine he's playing. They're limited here to Jeff Gladney and Harrison Hand. Mark Fields signed to their practice squad, I think, a couple days ago, and he's I'm sure he's on the active roster by now. And then even at safety, Anthony Harris is full participation in practice, but he does have a wrist injury. So even if he is good to go, he's still probably not playing at 100%. Right. It, it, it should be a favorable matchup for the, the Packers offense. And and you know what? I'll, I'll even go out on a limb with this. Um Marquez Valdez-Scantling, he's got to come through in this game. He he probably had his best game week one against the Vikings. If he can't get it done against this rebuilt, banged up, mediocre secondary, I don't know when he can. 
painful kind of a situation there with Marquez. You really want him to step up and, and really be the player that, you know, he's physically capable of being, but he every week seems to be limited by, you know, the mental aspect of the game. Still seeing him struggle to get open, struggle to be uh, at the right place on the field at the right time. Rogers targets him and he's, you know, three yards off. And, you know, you just don't see Devontae make these kinds of mistakes. A guy that I do think might be a, kind of a, a difference maker here outside of Devontae Adams actually is Robert Tanyan. What little availability they have from the safeties, from linebackers dropping into coverage, they're going to have to devote some of those resources to stopping the receivers. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, Tanyan can have uh, a strong game uh, against Minnesota, and that would certainly be welcome. Jay Sternberger may also be able to step up and and be more productive. And then, you know, is, is this the week? And I heard some rumblings coming out of, uh, you know, some of the press conferences that maybe uh, EQ gets a little bit more action this coming weekend. And maybe this is his chance to show that he can be a contributor because, you know, the road back has been pretty slow so far for Equinemia St. Brown. Yeah, Lafleur did say today that he likes what EQ has done with the opportunities he's been given. Now, Lafleur, of course, is seeing different things, looking for different things than I am. I'm looking at, you know, a, a drop pass here or there and going, oh, man, come on, EQ. But he's been happy with what he's been doing on special teams as well. And he said very, very likely that um, even as soon as this week, we're probably going to see a bigger role for EQ in the offense. Yeah. And uh, again, a, a very good opportunity for EQ to prove himself against a compromised secondary in the Vikings. We're probably not getting Alan Lazard back. Um, any sooner than I would say the Jaguars game. Right. He has returned to practice, which is great following his uh, surgery for the core injury. However, uh, people who have seen him work out, people who have seen the videos of him working out, describe him as looking stiff and not really moving his upper body very much. Um, I'm guessing it probably still hurts quite a bit. And, you know, having just had surgery, I'm sure he's trying to be careful. His original timeline was looking like Jaguars. That's still where I have him. So probably without him for Thursday's road game against the 49ers as well. Probably. And it wouldn't surprise me to see players like Aaron Jones and, and David Bakhtiari and, and maybe Darnell Savage again, just to hold them out uh, this week in order to make sure some of them are ready for that showdown in San Francisco. I agree. A guy that we're probably also going to be missing again, Kevin King. Um he Lefleur told us that uh, he has suffered a setback in mm -hmm. his recovery from his quad injury, which is why he was ultimately not able to play versus Houston, despite early reports looking like he was good to go. So that that sucks for Kevin a lot. This is a it's a big year for him, a contract year, and he's a guy who has missed a lot of time. Now, he played 15 games in 2019, which was great. And outside of that, he has struggled to even play 50% of games. So uh, you got to imagine if he misses any any more time here uh, with the cap situation we're looking at for next year, this might be the last we see of Kevin King. It might be, or it might be an opportunity to get him back at a much cheaper price because 
people will be hesitant to sign him at, you know, for big bucks based on his injury history. Gil Martin, ever the optimist. I like <laughs> it, though. That's, that's, that's an angle I've thought about. Also, Josh Jackson has looked really good the last he has. couple weeks. Now, he caught a lot of flack for his performance against the Buccaneers because what, what people noticed was, you know, he gave up a touchdown. He had that uh, pass interference penalty that was really, really costly. Outside of that, though, there was so much good that he did. There are all these, you know, he he single-handedly forced quite a few punts. I think at least two punts were because of stops that he made, you know, where he was able to, uh, you know, get behind the line of scrim- scrimmage and make a stop. I, I really like what I've been seeing from him. Um, he's always been inconsistent, and that is still the struggle here. But I think this is still the best football we've been seeing him play. And, I mean, do you really notice Kevin King not being out there on the field? I didn't last week, that's for sure. And, and you know, you, you talk about Josh Jackson. He has been spectacular against the run as well. I yeah, mean, yeah. he has come up pretty big in run defense. And you talk about some of those stops he made, you know, at or behind the line of scrimmage. A couple of them were on running plays. And, and I was impressed with that. I, you know... Here's a a guy who has struggled a little bit to get on the field on defense. Last year, it barely saw the field. It's encouraging to see him stepping in and, and doing so well, because if you look at the Packers secondary at cornerback right now, you got to be happy with Chandon Sullivan doing a, oh, a, a solid job in the slot. And then Jair Alexander playing at a Pro Bowl level, uh, ranked number one by pro football focus among cornerbacks in the league as of right now. Uh, if you can get even above average play from whoever the other starting cornerback is, you, you've got a pretty darn good secondary uh, on paper right there for the Packers. There was a lot of concern heading into this season because we didn't bring back Tremont Williams. Um, actually, I saw on Twitter, he mentioned the other day he's retired. So that was interesting. He's may come back and play for the, you know, for some team at some point. Uh, always love him on the Packers for sure. But um, there was concern that we weren't bringing him back and, you know, oh man, what are we going to do? Cause he was so big for us in 2019. And the answer was very clear time for the younger guys to step up. We have young guys, Josh Jackson, Shannon Sullivan on the team. I mean, even Kadar Holman guys on the team that we need to see a step from need to take, need to see them take a step and, if Tremont is there taking up all these snaps, I mean, you're 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 wasting the opportunity to find out if you have something good in some of these young guys. And with Kevin King's absence, I think we're seeing that we're fine with Chandon and Josh Jackson. You know, I like Kevin. I I would like him back because I like him a lot as a person and as a player. But I'm not scared. Uh, the way I was in the offseason. Yeah, no, you got to be encouraged by what you've seen from the depth in the at the cornerback position so far this year. And, you know, even against Tampa, the cornerbacks were the least of their problems, quite honestly. Oh, absolutely. I actually thought that the cornerbacks uh, versus Tampa were, you know, one of the bright, shiny spots that we actually had. Exactly. Exactly. So if you're the Vikings, what is your best strategy here to beat the Packers? I, I think it starts with two things. Number one on offense, Dalvin Cook. You got to run the football. The Packers run defense was a little better last week, but is still 
a big question mark overall. And with Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison, you have two solid, you know, talented running backs there. If you can stay close in this game, maintain control of the football, which keeps Aaron Rodgers off the field, you know, get 35 minutes of time of possession and actually finish those drives by scoring points, that keeps it close. And then you got to hope to at least be even in the turnover battle, if not force a turnover against the Packers. And, and that gives you your best chance to win. But, uh, you know, if the Packers are able to make Kirk Cousins throw on third and seven, third and 10, third and 12, if the Vikings become one dimensional, I think this game is, is over in a hurry. I'm always mystified when teams give up on the run game versus the Packers because so often you have massive success here, you know, picking up five, six yards per run and kind of rarely seeing any third downs. And yes, the Packers are getting better against the run, uh, you know, somewhat to the detriment of their pass rush ability. Huh. Uh, but it's, it's strange to me when, you know, once the Packers defense is able to force, you know, one, uh, one punt or, you know, anything and, and their offense starts to get ahead. It seems like a lot of teams who were having fantastic success with the run, just give up on it. And they start forcing the ball downfield and attacking our very elite secondary and just hoping to get lucky and, you know, get ahead. And it, it doesn't work. And it's, I, I think you're absolutely right. Dalvin cook should be back for this game. Right. He's looking fine in practice. And then beyond that, this is what the Vikings live for. Let's be honest. Beating the Packers. <laughs> the Packers are all about the Super Bowl. The Vikings are all about beating the Packers. Well, this year that would be their Super Bowl because they certainly <laughs> aren't going anywhere based on the start they've had. And look, the other thing that the Vikings need to do, you've got two very good receivers in Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson. And... You know, if you can run the football and then you go to your play action passing game, you got to get, if you're from a Vikings perspective, at least one big play from either Jefferson or Thielen. And, you know, to me, I would tend to think that the Packers would would line up Jair Alexander more against Thielen than against Jefferson. But, you know, both of them are are dangerous players and deep threats and and it'll be interesting to see how Mike Pettin and the Packers try to defend against that tough duo of receivers that Minnesota brings to the table. I almost think the Packers best strategy here is to keep Josh Jackson on whoever is running the outside route because that is, you know, really what he excels at. He struggles a lot uh you know against uh really technical route runners on the inside where Jair and Shannon Sullivan are both very good. Uh, I, I think you'll have a, a, a pretty even spread here, hopefully, of different cornerbacks on Thielen and Jefferson, more based on you know what kind of route they're running. Uh, otherwise, there are opportunities here for Thielen to kind of bully Jair. Uh, Jair is not a, a massive guy. Uh, right. Kevin King is quite a bit bigger than him. And there are opportunities for Thielen to out-muscle Jair. And let's be honest, 
these two guys know each other really well. Thielen usually has a good day versus the Packers. Jair is, you know, as you said, the best cornerback in football right now. I'm not benching Adam Thielen in fantasy this week. I think he's no. going to do fine because he knows the Packers and he knows Jair. And, uh, you know, this is less important for the game and more important for your, your fantasy. Thielen excels at, you know, the garbage time points, stat padding at the end of the game. Yeah. We, you know, especially when the Packers really like to switch to that, you know, uh, soft zone, bend, don't break, you know, let's just get the game over quickly, which, man. Backfires every time. <laughs> I feel, well, I just feel like they switch to that way too early. Like, you know, they have a lead in the third quarter and like, well, all right, time to shut her down. Let's wait for the wait for the four minute situation at the end right. to, to start pulling that game. It would certainly be better for the numbers, and uh, we'll see. It's frustrating to watch. You know, you, Green Bay's up, you know, 14 or si- 17 points with seven or eight minutes left to go, and all of a sudden the numbers just start piling up, and the game gets a little bit close, and the fans start holding their breath, and it, it, it's frustrating to watch. It, it It's difficult. Now, look, most of the time they end up winning those games, but uh, they end up being a lot closer than they should be, and the numbers end up getting skewed. Not Look, I'd rather win with skewed numbers than lose with nice numbers, but still, it's it's tough to watch. Well, here's what I really like. Here's what I'm optimistic about. One thing that we have never really had to worry about so far in the Matt LaFleur era is trap games. We do tend to lose the games where you know we ha- <laughs> we're coming out of a bye week, we're, you know, on the road versus a, you know, stout defense with a great pass rush, whatever. These are, you know, big games. Those are the ones that we tend to have some troubles with. Division matchup here with the one and six Vikings right here. And I, the, the Packers are not looking beyond that. Matt LaFleur said today that uh, the 49ers game is the furthest thing from his mind. He's not thinking about it at all because. He knows he has to beat the Vikings first, and if he is looking ahead too far, if he is uh, underestimating the Vikings, who you know <laughs> hate our guts, they're ticked off, and uh, he's not going to do that. He's very focused on on winning and uh, winning well. And look, the the Packers are the proud owners of the number one seed in the NFC. Uh, it's super early in the season to take any sort of a victory lap or talk about controlling our own destiny. But it is true. We do control our own destiny and a, you know, a, a loss here uh, at home versus the Vikings is the last thing we need. Don't want to give division control back to the bears. No question. And, and look, division games also matter more in tiebreakers. And if the Packers and the bears end up tied at the end of the season and they split their two meetings, this game may be one of those tiebreaker things where division record is your next tiebreaker. And Green Bay certainly wants to make sure that they have as many of the advantages as they can if that comes into play. Look, I think the reason this becomes less of a trap game to me is because it's a division matchup and a division rival. And, you know, when when you face the Bears or the Vikings or the Lions, you throw the record out and the intensity of the of the rivalry just takes over. Gil, before we close up, the trade deadline is coming up. Everybody has an opinion. Most fans want the Packers to make a move, any move. A lot of people want a receiver, 
some people want help at uh, the you know defensive line, a big stout guy to shut down the run. Let's talk about that because I don't think that the Packers should make a trade at the deadline. This is a really unpopular opinion. People don't like it. The Packers are almost never active before the trade deadline unless you look at like 2018 when they were shipping players off for picks. There's an argument to be made that the Packers need to go all in. And I'm not sure I buy that because you got to look ahead to the future. The Packers don't want to be bottom feeders in the NFC North. They want to be contenders every year. And that's hard to do. You can't pay all of your great players. And so what you need are draft picks. The Packers are very good at drafting and developing young talent. You look at all the big name guys we have to re-sign next year. David Bakhtiari, free agent. Corey Lindsley, who is one of the best uh, centers in football right now, free agent. We already talked about Kevin King. You know, there's a lot of reasons not to bring him back. But he's also a talented guy. And, you know, if, if he's willing to take any kind of a discount because of the amount of time that he's missed, it would be really nice to be able to re-sign him. Aaron Jones, we talked about last week, probably gone. Jamal Williams is a free agent as well. You got to keep either Jamal or Aaron Jones, you would right. think. And, of course, you know, the year after that, you got Jair and Devontae. So I'm looking at it. I'm saying I can't justify taking a position where, yeah, we're, we are thin at wide receiver. You know, you, you lose Lazard here and you lose uh, Tyler Irvin for a little bit. It is kind of scary. You see too much force feeding the ball to Devontae. Is a receiver going to push us over the edge to win a Super Bowl? I don't think so. You look at last year, there were two receivers that fans said we had to trade for. That would be Muhammad Sanu, who went to the Patriots, Emmanuel Sanders, who went to the 49ers. Uh, I mean, neither one of them won the Super Bowl. I don't think that the 49ers made it to the championship game because of the Super Bowl or because of Emmanuel Sanders. The, The Niners lost a pick in the process. They don't have him anymore. This is more than likely what you're looking at if the Packers make a trade. They need all the draft picks they can get because let's say you have to let David Bakhtiari walk and you're dependent on, you know, Rick Wagner and uh, Billy Turner to hold down your tackle positions. Man, I would really like to have, uh, you know, a second or a third round draft pick that we can, you know, be taking swings at positions. You know, maybe maybe we draft uh, a, a tackle in the first round and we know we can do that because we still have a second round pick that we can you know, go out and and get a defensive tackle, something like that. So I'm out on making a trade. You and I disagree, though. Yeah, no, I I don't agree with that. To me, you have a limited number of opportunities to win a Super Bowl. You look at the Packers this year. You yourself just mentioned a few minutes ago that if the season ended right now, the Packers would be the one seed and get the bye in the NFC. If that is the case... And you've got Aaron Rodgers and, and you know, we discussed maybe Rodgers has a year after this year, maybe two more before you start talking about when does Jordan Love take over. Uh, you know, when you have an opportunity, when you have a team that looks special, that is clearly a contender, you need that little extra edge. Now, I'm not sitting here arguing you give up a number one pick and you go all in and try to bring in. You know, someone like Odell Beckham Jr., if he would have stayed healthy or, you know, end up spending a lot of uh, capital on somebody. But right now, with Lazard being injured, 
the Packers really don't have a strong group of proven receivers behind uh, Devontae Adams. And the tight end situation, Robert Tunyon has been hurt. He's playing through it. Jay Sternberger is unproven. You need to get another weapon for Aaron Rodgers because you know what happens when you play against top competition? The top coaches and the top defenses find ways to slow down your biggest weapon. I mean, that's the secret of Bill Belichick. Whenever he he and the Patriots over the last two decades before this year, uh, you know, they find out what you do best and they take it away from you. You've got to have a, a workable alternative. And to me right now, look, we have Aaron Jones banged up. Hopefully he's ready to come back in a week or two. But. You know, Jones has been hurt. Uh, Tyler Irvin has been hurt. Alan Lazard has been hurt. Uh, EQ has missed time. MVS has been inconsistent at best. And Devontae has missed time. The Packers need a little bit more depth at the receiver and or tight end position to get another weapon for Rodgers. Because when you've got a chance to have a special year, you don't want to be good but never great. You don't want to let... Uh, you know, feeling like, okay, we finished 10 and six or 11 and five and made the playoffs three or four years in a row. Yeah, that's very nice. But that also ended up, you know, getting Mike McCarthy fired eventually because the team couldn't get over the, over the hump. When you have a chance to be special, when you have a chance to win a Super Bowl, pull the trigger. You don't, you don't have to bring in a big name guy for a first round pick or even a second round pick trade a third or a fourth and get a quality starting receiver or tight end who can add a little something to this team give him some depth and you know you bring him in at the trade deadline and by the time December rolls around they learn the offense they gain Rodgers trust and hopefully you go from there and come January and maybe even February this year you increase the chances of this being a Super Bowl season. And let's face it, this is Green Bay. We play to win Super Bowls. Well, fans, it's time for you to weigh in. Head on over to Twitter. You can check us out either at Gil Packers, which is easier to spell, or (laughs) at JJ Leahy, that's L-A-H-E-Y. And you can vote. We're going to pin a poll to the top of our Twitter profiles again for the whole week. Please go over there. We want to hear from you. You know, who, who's the smart guy and who's the dummy? We learned who was the dummy last week. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But head on over to Twitter. Again, that's at Gil Packers or at JJ Leahy and make your vote count. So, JJ, uh, prediction time. Uh, let's uh, see what both of us think about this game against Minnesota. To me, uh, look, the Vikings are struggling. Yes, they're coming off a bye, but here's a team that is one in five and is beat up in the secondary. I can't see the Packers scoring less than 35 points in this game. I think it's high scoring. I think Green Bay wins this one uh, 38 to 28. Wow. I like it. I have a similar prediction. Uh, I think that at least for the first half, this is going to feel more competitive than it should because I think the Vikings are still going to be leading on the run game, leading on Dalvin Cook. And so you're going to have moments when you're like, oh, man, can we not slow them down at least? But I expect after halftime for that to subside a bit. 
looking at the the scores of the last couple of games, the Falcons managed to hang 40 points against the Vikings. We hung 43 in week one. I think we can get another 40-point game here. Uh, my prediction is uh, I think I'm going to go 43 to 27. I think uh, the second half is going to look pretty anemic for the Vikings. Even come garbage time, I, I think you're going to see a pretty defeated team out there. Hope you're right. That's it for today. We'll be right back here next week. Follow us on Twitter at Gil Packers and at JJ Leahy to stay up to date on all things Packers. Or ask us questions. Make sure you're subscribed to Packers Talk on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Big thanks to PackersTalk.com for powering our show. And thank you for listening. Until next time, go Pack Go. Go Pack Go. You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. Packers Talk. Not